Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly. Good music is what we want to hear. What do you mean, good music? It's what we dance to, what our children will dance to. And if you don't want to play it, then take your records and go home. You have a band, good or bad. It's a great band, it's a bad band, it's like pizza, baby. It's good no matter what, there's music in the air. Wild Bell features a brother and sister duo that merges pop music with the sounds of Jamaica. I'm Greg Cott of the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Jim DeRogatis from WBEZ and Columbia College. Wild Bell joins us in the studio to perform songs from their major label debut, Isles. And later in the show, we review the highly anticipated album from the electronic dance music pioneers, Daft Punk. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time for some music news. The sky's red tonight. We're on the edge tonight. No shooting star to guide us I for an eye Why tear each other apart? Please tell me why Why do we make it so hard? Look at us now We only got ourselves to blame It's such a shame Greg, I know you've been loving that song. That is only teardrops from Denmark's Emily DeForest, winner of this year's Eurovision Song Contest. We love to talk about this contest every year because it's always just such a strange sociological phenomenon. Viewed by 125 million people around the world, this annual contest this year went to a winner from Denmark in the streets of Copenhagen, Reuters news agency reports. People were waving flags, drinking beer, and forming a conga line that went around the capital. <laughs> All right? This is just insane. This is a hippie-ish young woman who performed barefoot in front of a wall of fire backed by flutes and drums doing this kind of uh, folky hippie song. Now, the fact that Denmark took the prize following Sweden's win last year, you'll never forget Loreen, I know, <laughs> she was the winner last year. Other countries are having paroxysms of grief about why they did not show better. You would think this is the powers that be carving up Europe after the Napoleonic Wars at the Congress of Vienna. Azerbaijan has caused a big controversy with Russia because none of the votes that Azerbaijan cast for the Russian winner were counted. Now, Russia is claiming voter fraud. The Azerbaijani singer won the second place. In the UK, they are concerned that they finished 19th out of 26. They got only 23 points overall, and they're saying we need to retool all of the Eurovision contests so that we do better. And then in Germany, this is my favorite, Germany is blaming its poor Eurovision showing, not garnering any votes from 34 of the 39 countries on the hardcore austerity measures of Chancellor Angela Merkel. But Greg, you know, as silly as all that European stuff is, we have our own version of Eurovision here in the United States. I would say that's what American Idol is. How has American Idol been faring? 
Not very well, Jim. Thanks for asking, by the way, because I know you're a huge fan of the show. You are one of the few people, I think, that knows that uh, Candace Glover won Season 12's competition. (laughs) (laughs) After a series of uh, guitar-strumming white males that had won the idols in in past seasons, she was kind of a change of pace, a kind of a soul belter. But did anyone care? I mean, the ratings dropped 40% this year compared to last year. That's a huge drop-off. For the first time since the show aired in 2002, the ratings came nowhere near the 20 million mark. Only 14.3 million people viewed the show. The other major failing among media critics is that the uh, average viewing age of the audience is over 50 now. The advertisers are looking for that 18 to 49 demographic. Now they're well over 50 at American Idol. As one critic said, it's become your grandparents' American Idol. You know that it would be untrue. You know that I would be a liar if I was to say to you, girl, we could. That is The Doors with Light My Fire and the iconic keyboard intro by one Ray Manzarek, age 74. He died a few days ago of bile duct cancer in Germany. Manzarek, one of the co-founders of the band, everybody knows uh, the big name in the band was Jim Morrison, who died at the age of 27, and the band imploded soon after that. But Manzarek, a key part of that band musically, along with John Densmore and Robbie Krieger, wrote much of the music for the band and created this iconic L.A. dark side sound that the band was so known for. Manzarek grew up in Chicago, studied blues at the Maxwell Street scene on the south side of Chicago, as well as steeped in classical and jazz music training. He brought a lot of those elements into the sound of The Doors and wrote much of their key music. The piece I want to play is from The Doors' final album, L.A. Woman, and Manzarek plays the keyboard solo in the middle of it that I think is one of his great moments on record. Here's The Doors with Riders on the Storm on Sound Opinions.
Riders on the Storm from the Doors in tribute to Ray Manzarek, dead at the age of 74. listening to Sound Opinions, and that is the song It's Too Late by Wild Bell, our guests on this week's show. Wild Bell is the project of a brother and sister duo, Elliot and Natalie Bergman. Elliot started his musical career at the University of Michigan in a jazz and Afrobeat group called Nomo. Eventually, his sister began playing with that band, and their collaboration led to this new island-tinged group, Wild Bell. Wild Bell's first record, Isles, was recently released on a major label, Columbia Records, and it has Natalie mostly singing the lead vocals with Elliot playing a lot of the instruments in the background. When the band came through Chicago on tour promoting the new album, we started the conversation with Elliot Bergman, asking him about how he came to start playing music in his first band, Nomo. Uh, Nomo started in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and it sort of just kind of was a sort of amorphous collective of all of our friends. It, it involved maybe over 60 people through the course of <laughs> 10 years, and but it, it really was sort of a party band. We, you know, we, we, wanted, we were kind of a, a lot of jazz musicians that wanted to have a band that kind of played dance music, and that was sort of the genesis of it. But uh, the music of Fela Kuti was very influential, and Pharaoh Sanders, and Electric Miles Davis, on the corner and Jack Johnson; those records are favorites of mine. And uh, but so the, Nomo was sort of a place to experiment with some of those sounds and kind of ostinato-based rhythms and that sort of stuff. So was Fela Kuti big when you're uh, growing up in the burbs of Chicago? <laughs> yeah, saw him play almost every weekend. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, <laughs> we wish we could have seen him every weekend, right? <laughs> no, I think I was ten years old when he passed away. But you know, you're able to sort of travel with your ears, and so records were kind of a big thing for me growing up able to kind of imagine being somewhere else via the turntable and our mom was a very hip lady and playing like Ebenezer Obey records and stuff like that and so we kind of had a pretty eclectic palette of sounds around the house growing up. Your mom a fairly prominent author Susan Bergman yeah uh, so she had a big influence on your taste. Sure yeah she was a great jazz pianist and guitar player too and a painter as well. We actually used some of her art on our record cover. Uh, so Isles, the, the cover of the record, is a painting that she did in the late 70s, like 78 or something like that. And she passed, and this she, is a tribute sort of to it, her, right? It is, yeah. She she died in 2006 of uh, mm-hmm. brain cancer, but she, she was definitely a huge influence on us musically and artistically. So, Natalie, you were a few years younger. So I, I believe you are about eight years younger than Elliot. That's right. What was it like growing up in a household with this guy playing the Fela Kuti records and Sun Ra records and... All this odd music. Ah, uh, it was it was a joy, you know. He really turned me on to a lot of different kinds of artists that young girls are not generally exposed to. Natalie was like the only third grader coming home from school, not doing her homework, checking out Sun Ra <laughs> There had to be some guilty pleasures there, though, too, Natalie. Right? Oh boy. Let's see. You mean my, my personal influences yeah, yeah, yeah. without him? 
Well, I know that uh, just the two of us that Bill Withers mm. sings on is not my guilty pleasure. The guilty pleasure song is the Will Smith cover of that. <laughs> okay, all right. Just the two of us. All right. <laughs> that night I don't think one wink I slept as I slipped out my bed to your crib. I crept, touched your head gently, felt my heart melt because I knew I loved you more than life itself. Into my knees and I begged the Lord, please let me be your good daddy. All he needs love. Knowledge, discipline too. I pledge my life to you. So, just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Uh, just, just me and you. Just me and you. Just the two of us. <laughs> now, so Nomo started it when you were at college, and it evolved. I mean, you you made a number of records with that group. Natalie, you were sort of starting a separate thing. You went to college to study music, right? That's right. I went to Berkeley College of Music for a few years and studied piano and and some percussion and voice as well. And how did that uh, work out? I yeah. loved it there, yeah. I had some really great teachers. I I took a course on Miles Davis and I was sort of immersed in this cool culture of, of young musicians that were eager to learn and eager to share things with each other and share music with each other. And I met a great group of guys there that played my tunes and I, I had a fun time. I had a real fun time there. Were you looking at it at music as a career at that point? I don't think that I've ever looked at it that way before. I think that I think that it's just been something that I know that I I have and I know that I will have to be doing for the rest of my life. And I'm really thankful that I get to be doing it in this capacity right now. Greg, I know where you want to go. I want to hear about uh, Natalie's short live days in Nomo as well. But we got to get him <laughs> to play a song first, right? Absolutely. What are you guys going to perform? What are we going to do first? I think we're going to start with Love Like This. All right, great.
Love Like This by Wild Bell, live on Sound Opinions. Coming up after the break on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, more music and discussion with the sibling duo of Natalie and Elliot Bergman. Then later in the show, Greg and I review the much-discussed new album from Daft Punk. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. And our guest this week is Wild Bell. The project of siblings Elliot and Natalie Bergman, they've just released their first record, Isles. The record is a unique melding of genres that has influences in jazz, island rhythms, and doo-wop. We return to the conversation by asking Elliot about the variety of musical influences on this album. Well, there's such a distinctive sound on Isles. You know, it comes to us fully born. It's a very sophisticated album. Was that there from the beginning? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, no, thank you. That's that's very generous. Um, But the process of making the record was definitely one of kind of experimentation and Mm. and sort of sifting through a lot of material and sounds. And so there's this sort of backlog of stuff that we kind of started off on and, and then sort of making the record was sort of a honing process kind of saying this is what Wild Bell is really going to be about. It sort of had to have elements of the blues. It had to have soul. There's definitely, we kind of are drawn to a lot of kind of island sounds and a lot of uh, West African guitar music. And so there's any number of things that kind of filter into it. It's it's definitely not a singular thing, but we sort of set up this, we said, well, okay, all of these sounds sort of make sense in the Wild Bell world. I remember talking to you guys last summer and you were geeked about going to Jamaica what spoke to you about that sound, Natalie? I guess when I was, for Christmas one year, Elliot got me this record that was a compilation of Studio One recording artists in the late 60s and into the 70s. And uh, Studio One is a recording studio in Jamaica. So Elliot, Elliot got me this record and I, I fell in love with this song called Dreamland by Della Humphrey. There's a land that I 
And then I went, I went crazy, and I kind of explored every single avenue of uh, early reggae music, you know, ska, rocksteady, rockers, roots, and, and reggae, and it's a magical sound to me. Yeah, was, you talked about the Berkeley experience earlier. I take it you were doing a little, uh, writing a lot of songs. W- were they in that vein, or were you coming from a different direction at that point? I'd say that I've, I've been writing songs since I was in the beginning years of high school, and I've always been writing songs in a similar way, which is either on a guitar or a piano, and it's kind of basic doo-wop ballads. They're love ballads, really. And I think that early rock study music that I love is just like early doo-wop and early R&B and Motown. That They were all doing the same thing. It was just simple beautiful little love songs, and um, and so that's what's influenced me my whole life. No, it's it's all over this record, and it sounds great, and it kind of dovetails with Elliot's interest in, in some of this exotic music that you were speaking of when you were a kid. Elliot, I know you got a sidelight. I think Brooklyn had a store doing what, exactly? <laughs> oh, I've been building these uh, sort of instruments that are kind of loosely based on uh, like the African Mbira, and so I've probably built about 500 of them over the past 10 years, and so sometimes we sell them on tour. Sometimes this, there are a few stores around that will uh, carry them. A, a thumb piano. A thumb piano, yeah, basically, yeah, about. right. And uh, But we kind of treat them in different ways with you know different effects pedals. and uh, they, So a lot of times people think they're steel drums or orchestral chimes or a glockenspiel or something. So I've got a couple. One, one sort of uh, more standard type thing. And then uh, there's like a much bassier one uh, that I usually hit with a mallet. And what is the market for thumb pianos uh, like? It's hot, real hot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rich. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, you know, <laughs> not so good, actually. <laughs> we sold one on this tour. Before we hear one more song, <laughs> Studio One, Jamaica, you guys are there filming a video. Did you feel a certain kindred spirit there? You know, were you accepted by the Jamaican musicians you met, and were they curious in you as much as you were curious about them? Definitely, um, it's a beautiful country, and the people there are extremely generous. And the whole process of of recording that video with Melina Matsukas, mm. she was the director. We had a whole crew of people that worked with us that were living on the island, and. It was it was really such a wonderful and fun experience because everyone is just sharing <laughs> sharing love with each other. <laughs> as cliche as that may sound, it was a very loving place. You're listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRigatis, and we're here in the studio with Wild Bell. How about another song? What are we going to hear? You're going to hear Backslider. Was 
Backslider from Wild Bell on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions. We're here in the Jim and K. Maybe studio with Wild Bell, Natalie Bergman, and Elliot Bergman, plus Eric Hall, Quinn Kirchner, Kellen Harrison. Isles' first album coming out on a big label, but what people may not realize is that you kind of took a flyer on this record, right? I mean, in terms, once you broke off from Nomo and started doing your own thing, Elliot and Natalie, this was kind of a total DIY effort, self-financed. Let's let's see what we can do, right? Yeah, you, you just sort of have to do that, and I think that's what people, yeah, do have sort of misconceptions about what a major label might be this in this day and age. But uh, choosing Columbia as a partner, they were the people that were just the most excited about what kind of where the record. We, we came to them with the finished record, and they just said, "This is a beautiful record. Let's just do it." But we did the record at Key Club in Benton Harbor, Michigan, which is. Uh, really amazing husband and wife team, Bill Skibby and Jessica Ruffins. And uh, it's just, it's a really cool space. And Benton Harbor is a cool little lake town, not a lot of distractions. Right, yeah, you can kind of go and hunker down and focus. You sort of just live there. There's sort of uh, barracks above the studios. And and so you just sort of go and and there's very little distraction. You just kind of get to work and uh, it's it's a great place to be. Keep You actually came out, you self-released that, right? Uh I think about a year ago now. Yeah. What was the object there? Was it like, we're just going to put this out, see what happens? Or was there a long-term plan for, for putting out that as a single? How, what, was, what was the thinking at that point? You had not been signed yet at that point. Right. We just we kind of made up our own label called Sandhill Sound, and we decided that we would just get, get something out into the world. And we were kind of avid vinyl collectors, so we decided a 12-inch might be the best format for that. And that just sort of got around. and, and that, that, So that was we were kind of anticipating doing another one of those, and then putting out our record and uh kind of somewhere along the way we we just took a turn and decided that we would partner with somebody else and, and it ended up being columbia well i remember jim and i i think we're i think you were at the show as well jim at south by southwest last march i remember standing next to your manager and he was kind of i have to say i've never seen him that flustered i've known the guy for a while <laughs> he sweats a lot <laughs> were you hey, kind of aware that this was going on that this kind of there was a it reminded me back in the 90s when the people in the music industry actually had money to spend on bands. It was, it was that same kind of you know vibe, like, oh, everybody's got to be in this room checking this band out. Yeah, were you aware of that? They were trying to buy us a taco and <laughs> Lone Star. They're like, hey, sign to our label. It's, Free it's, tacos. It's a, it's, a, it's a few steps down from the steaks and the champagne dinners. They were buying yeah. bands uh, ten, 10 years before that, but... Yeah. You take what you can get, right? You know, we, we've been touring together for a long time, and, and Natalie, as, as young as she is, is also sort of a uh, seasoned road dog. Uh, so it, for, for, that's what we love to do, and that's what we've been doing. The last six months has been just tons of touring. And uh, so, you know, it, it's it's nice to feel a response. It's nice to have uh, people that are getting to know the songs. And we're, we're really excited for the full record to be out. And the goal, you know, we're, you're trying to connect with people, and and um, and music is kind of the great social art form, and it's it's something that really has a power to bring people together. It's a power that has, you know, music has a power to bring people joy, bring people, you know, people can fall in love to music, people can, uh, you know, you, you can move people with music, and that's that's something that's when when you get a sense that there is some of that happening on a very small level or on a bigger level, you know. That's that's what feels rewarding as musicians um, to feel that connection and uh, well and, and and having this buzz sometimes absurd opportunities happen. I mean, I fell over when I found the Wild Bell song 
on the Vampire Diaries soundtrack. Like, what the heck, you know? But then, Natalie, I was thinking, you know, the way you discovered perhaps Bill Withers through the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you know, somebody in the midst of all this, uh, you know, these panting uh, vampires and werewolves may have found your music. Totally. We had some girls come out to our show last night in Grand Rapids. Really? We heard your song on Vampire Diaries, and I was like, don't tell anyone. (laughs) <laughs> no, but that's cool that they came, right? They did, and it's it's important. We want to reach, we want to reach the world, you know. Yeah. Well, we were talking with Sound Opinions producers, and you guys actually inspired not only this show but a second show. We were thinking about uh, we we got an email from a listener who said you guys really ought to do one of your rock historical shows about great sibling bands, you know, and not the obvious, not the the, the, the Davies brothers, right? Now, you know. All due respect to my brother, we'd both be dead if we were in a band. And I've met Greg's sister, very nice woman. I don't think that would work either. How does this work? We just, it's, it's easy. It's really easy. I was describing this to somebody the other day, but I honestly, if I, if I no longer had my eyes or my ears, he would know what to do for me because he has, we just share the same vision. We have had so much growing up in the same household. We've had so much going into our ears that's the same. And so I think that that's the main reason why we get along so well and why we can continue to do this because it's it, we we have lots and lots in common. And was it really always this way on those long car trips where you're both <laughs> in the back seat? You weren't strangling each other over who got to play Nintendo or whatever? Well, we're we're eight years apart, so I sort of like, you know, I, I was off to college and Natalie was still oh, yeah. 10 years old. Yeah. So we, we sort of didn't really overlap as much, you know, when she was younger. But then um, we do have sort of I, people comment that our family is unusually close. Our sister between us is uh, a fashion designer and she she kind of is... People are like, uh, you're unusually close. And I'm like, yeah? Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? You guys want to... About 10 minutes of roughhousing with the Bergman family. See? No. Uh, I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, our sister Elise has kind of, like, been very involved and helped out on artwork. And mm. youngest brother Bennett directed the video for Backslider. And, and uh, so it's it's kind of a privilege to be able to work work with your family in, in, a, in a creative capacity. You mentioned that song, uh, Backslider. That song... I know came a little later into the into the album. I'm wondering, Natalie, did your perspective as a songwriter and your perspective on the record change as you were, were writing that song? Because I sense a little bit different tone in that song than maybe some of the others on the record. Well, I, I mean, it definitely it came later, and um, a handful of the songs on Isles were written, you know, three or four years ago when I when I was first entering college. So my my perception of love has changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and Backslider was more of a newly wounded heart, you know? I think that there's kind of a different tone of anger on that track. All right. You're listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. We're here in the studio with Wild Bell. How about one more tune? Great. This is Keep You. Again and again, you wrong me twice and I keep coming back. Same song again and again, you wrong me twice and I keep coming back. Tell me what the matter is. 
little man I've got a pretty face and I wear a nice dress Tell me what the matter is, little man I've got a pretty face and I wear a I give you two All the other women that you treat so rude Cry, cry cause you make them blue Running over town like you got no nerve Sleeping in the shanty of a brand new girl Call me Auntie Nancy but before Rachel Why can't I keep you for myself? Why can't I keep you? Keep you from Wild Bell on Sound Opinions. I won't cry about you now I won't leave behind Any clouds when it's over I'm just a clown When it's over Oh wow wow You've been listening to Wild Bell on Sound Opinions. Thank you so much guys for coming in. Thanks for having us. You were swinging to a romantic song like you loved him. You can hear all of Wild Bell's live tracks at soundcloud.com slash soundopinions. You can also see videos of the band's performance at soundopinions.org. Coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, we review the new album from Daft Punk, and it's Greg's turn to drop a quarter in the Desert Island Jukebox. He's no good.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. That is the song Lose Yourself to Dance by Daft Punk from their much-anticipated fourth album, Random Access Memories. Greg, I don't think we've seen an album more anticipated in quite some time here on Sound Opinions. That track was one that had Pharrell Williams. There is an all-star cast of guests on this record. Nile Rodgers, Paul Williams, the man who wrote songs for the Muppets, Giorgio Moroder, the disco legend, Panda Bear. What is all the fuss about? We can say that Daft Punk is probably the most important band in electronic dance music, or duo of DJs if you prefer, in the last 20 years. Their history goes back to the early 90s when they were an indie rock band called Darling. Two collaborators, Thomas Bangalter of France and Portuguese expatriate Guillaume Emmanuel de Homem Cristo. These guys come together as an indie rock duo and soon become Daft Punk, an electronic dance music duo that has pretty much set the sound for much of what's been going on in the dance culture ever since. They have not been incredibly prolific in all that time. There have only been four studio albums. The fourth is just coming out now. And rather than making it in their home studio, they took a much broader view. They came to Los Angeles, worked in several studios there. They were using live orchestras, live horns, string sections, choirs, what does it sound like? The most important thing. Let's play a track from it. We'll come back. We'll give our reviews. This is Give Life Back to Music, the opening cut on Random Access Memories by Daft Punk on Sound Opinions.
That is Give Life Back to Music from the Daft Punk album Random Access Memories. Jim, I cannot get enough of Nile Rodgers' guitar. Every time I hear that guy within two notes, I know right away who it is, and I want to hear more of it. But this is a fascinating album from a major, major group, as you said, Jim. Everybody was anticipating this album, I think, because everybody anticipated this as being their moment. Electronic dance music has never been more popular than it is right now in North America. And here was the band, and it, in a lot of ways, kickstarted it all, coming back to give us a new album. And what have they done? They're basically saying, you know, this EDM stuff, we don't like it so much. We're not big fans of what's going on right now well, well, you know, they've in had EDM. Their, they've had their sound ripped off. They've had their, their helmet costumes ripped <laughs> off. You know, they're getting ripped off left and right by lesser talents. They're taking it back, really, to their roots. They said, okay, we're not going to do a sample-driven, largely electronic album like each one of our previous albums has been. We're going to essentially use live instrumentation, real musicians, to play music that kind of reminds us of where we came from. The original disco music, there are also elements of jazz fusion, some of that classical orchestration that they brought into the Tron soundtrack, as well as hints of 80s and 70s pop, R&B, new wave, very little of the electronic dance music for which they are so famous for making. And as a result, a lot of fans are rebelling against this record. They're going, what is this? And it is problematic. It is not a very consistent album. It's 74 minutes of music, incredibly erratic in terms of its quality control. But in terms of its ambition, I think it's a really noble effort. It's a record that I think a lot of people should hear, even if they're not going to like every aspect of it. The thing that sort of got me about this record was that centerpiece track uh, with Paul Williams, as you mentioned. The guy who uh, wrote some of the cheesiest songs of the 70s. And here he is on a track called Touch. And basically, he plays the role of a robot who wants to be human. And I think this is really the core of the album. These robots want feelings. You know, it's that whole idea of Blade Runner. Do androids dream of electric sheep? They want to have be more in touch with their emotional side, with the soul of the music. And I think that's what Daft Punk is saying in this record. So, a problematic record, not overly consistent but I think everybody needs to hear it. I'm going to give it a burn-it rating. Yeah, I think it's a burn-it record, Greg. It's not a perfect record. I think what their criticism is that you're saying the machines need to get in touch with the soul, and I think that the EDM scene is going the opposite direction. It's everybody's trying to become a machine. Yeah. All right? and, and this is a welcome history lesson. The one piece you didn't mention among your long list of influences was the European progressive rock scene, not the, the yeah, American right. stuff. You know, there's quotes from Goblin and Tangerine mm-hmm. Dream in here. There's some, like, prog rock drumming by J.R. Robinson, who played with Michael Jackson on Off the Wall. It's incredible stuff. It's ironic that in interviews, they keep talking about rumors and the dark side of the moon in terms of trying to make this grand, conceptual, overall album that should be listened to as an album. I don't think this works Mm. as that. I think that there are great tracks here, but it's not beginning to end consistently great. However, you definitely have to hear it. So two burn-its from the two of us. I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. As often as possible here on Sound Opinions, one of us likes to take a trip to the desert island and play you a song we can't live without. Greg, get in the submersible and play us a track. 
Thank you, Jim. Talking about Ray Manzarek and the Doors earlier in the show, uh, thinking about this whole vibe of the dark side of L.A. music, got me thinking about the progression of that sort of vibe in the music of the last few decades. And uh, the band that I hit on from the 2000s that carried forward that tradition was the Warlocks, a band that I love in particular because of not only combining that dark side atmosphere in their lyrics, but also in the way they sounded. I've seen this band with as many as 10 members on stage and just a wall of guitars. You'd have three or four guitar players, you'd have sitars, you'd have lap steel, you'd have two drummers bringing the heavy percussion with you. And they got that, best of all, on their Phoenix album in 2002. They made a string of albums, 2001 to 2009. That wall of guitar sound that they brought throughout this record is just totally energizing, combining it with sort of a bubblegum pop sensibility. The theme on this record is overindulging in chemicals, love, guitars. A lot of people say, well, it's just a drug album. But I think, you know, when they're talking about dope on this record, I don't think they're just talking about drugs. I think they're talking about being overwhelmed by life, by sensation, by music. And they're trying to do it to you on this very first track on the record. It's called Shake the Dope Out from the Warlocks on Sound Opinions. Dope Out by the Warlocks, Greg Cott's Desert Island jukebox pick for the week. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we're going to celebrate one of the iconic albums of all time, the 45th anniversary of Johnny Cash's At Folsom Prison. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Mary Gaffney recorded Wild Bell. Sound Opinions is produced by Jason Saldana, Robin Lynn, and Annie Minoff. And our executive producer, our fearless leader, Tori Southside Malatia, he's the third member of Daft Punk, the one with the lead helmet.
On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Hey, my name's Greg. I'm calling from Sydney, Australia. About your Tame Impala program, I thought it was great. I came across Tame Impala about three, four years ago. My son put me onto them. He saw them at a very, very small club when they were just beginning. One of the biggest songs in Australia is a song called Half Glass Full of Wine. When they play it at festivals, the whole crowd sings along. So try that song. Love your program. Bye. Benjamin Christie from Laguna Niguel, California. I was calling about the Joy Division show, and I think, to me, the words of Ian Curtis were very, very simple. However, he said a lot, and there was a lot of meaning into that. It just lets you know that these are feelings that I'm feeling as well. like he had to do a whole lot to make it complex or to go out of his way to make you feel it. He was, seems like he was very low-key in his words, very simple, and that's part of the idea. And that's the idea with the music, too, is that it was very simple. It's music that still carries on to this day. All right, thank you for your time. Bye. Gentlemen, hi, this is Bo Bress calling from out in Chicagoland. The reason for my call is you asked about new bands that we're listening to, and I had to pass on the band Seren out of Denton, Texas. To sound like Stefan, they have everything. They have rock guitar, three- and four-part harmonies, electric violin, prodigious beards. We can shape but can't control these possibilities to grow. Reads amongst the push and pull, waiting on the have a rock ukulele frontman. they have a bass player that also blows trumpet from time to time, and they have a cinematic sound that will lift you off your feet. You must check them out. So that is uh, Seren. Thank you guys. Keep up the great job. Alright guys, so I never listen to music when I run because I will go too fast. But I'm listening to Sound Opinions and I hear the review of Savages and I'm like, well, I'm sure whatever you guys had to say about Super Tramp was adorable, but I've got to put this record on again and I'm listening to it and 38 minutes later, I've gone way too fast and I think I, think I need to take a nap now. Thanks for the inspiration. Love the show. 
Matt from Baton Rouge. messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.